So I'm here with Tom. Tom, how you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good, thank you. How about you? Good. Well, we weren't going to record a midweek pod, but there's been so much going on that even with no football uh, to talk about, at least no United football, we thought we'd uh, cover some of the stuff. So today we're going to talk about Mason Greenwood and we'll be just as a fair warning, we will be very circumspect about how we talk about that because obviously it's now become potentially become a criminal case. We're going to talk about transfers, transfer market, what United have done both on the men's and the women's side of things, and international football, because there's been some fun stuff going on with United players. Oh, and Edward was left. Hooray! Happy <laughs> post-Woodward era, everyone. Henceforth to be celebrated oh, no. with fireworks. <laughs> Just not fired at Edward Wood's house, right? <laughs> mm. So, where do we start with this stuff with Mason Greenwood. I, I had a few thoughts, and I know I know you've got a few as well. So, look, one, he's been arrested twice now, uh, and this is following a posting by someone we won't name because although she has posted it under her, her proper name, she's entitled to anonymity. I did name her on Twitter and then deleted it uh, after thinking about that, and I think that that's the line that most responsible people have been taking. So social media posting on Instagram with pictures of a young woman who'd been who with blood coming from her nose and bruises with the tag This is what Mason Greenwood does to you or something that to that effect. And some audio, really disturbing actually, audio. Which mm. again, we're taking all of this at face value, so we don't know yeah. any of this to be factually true. Uh, and subsequently, a young man in his 20s, everyone is presuming to be Mason Greenwood, was arrested uh, on suspicion of assault and rape and re-arrested on suspicion of threatening to kill. Have I got all those kind of basic facts correct? Yeah, I think that seems to be the case. It's hard to, like you say, it's, it's, it's not right to, for us to, to comment on the facts of the case. We can't, we don't know any of the facts about uh, at this time. But I think from my perspective, I want to kind of focus on on the bravery of, of women in these sort of situations, really. Yeah. Like in in the case that we know about with this, like you say, there was put uh, posts on social media, but I think the victim's father actually came out and, and said that, that she didn't mean to release these images. Yes, the interview with the male was that they, he used the words, she said she'd been hacked. I, I don't mm. really know what that means in this context. No, but I mean, to take the photos in the first place to, to for posterity and not just this case, but in cases worldwide and, and across the UK, which are far, far too common in this country, this shows like the bravery that, that women have to take in this situation and, yeah. and to record audio as well in in this situation because i can't even imagine like what that would be like for a woman to to be so scared because she she is in such a, a vulnerable situation with an abuser and because you've taken photos and you probably don't think that that is going to be enough for a, for a conviction and for people to believe you because yeah in the past that this kind of thing you have taken photos of yourself when you've been abused but it hasn't been taken that seriously by the authorities like that you would have to try and record something while the abuser is is there, and like they imagine that how scary that must be, and the potential that that abuser might find that audio uh, it being recorded at the time. It's an incredible thing to even contemplate, to be honest, and it's something that we couldn't 
even experience unless we've experienced it ourselves really trying to be empathetic here Mm. and i think it's important to have our empathy should be with her uh, not um not the alleged abuser Mm -hmm. uh, in this case and and uh, absolutely right and look again we don't know factually that mason greenwood was an abuser or that it's even him on the audio it can you know that appears to be the accusation but clearly she has been beaten up yeah and clearly she was terrified and we should have a lot of empathy there and that she's felt the need to do that makes me really concerned for her and her well-being that this was not a one-time thing yeah if if you are going to listen to the audio be prepared because it is is truly horrifying I'm definitely not going to cut it into this podcast. So trigger warning for anyone who goes out there and searches for that, because it is brutal. And I would say if you've been through anything like this, uh, or you don't feel like you want to experience hearing that, don't. You don't need to. The transcript is out there. Yeah, exactly. It's horrible. But I mean, the problem is, like I said, it's all too common in this country. And and it's all, it's becoming a little bit too common. Well, way too common in in football as well. If you think back to... To the Chad Evans case, which happened a few years ago, and and again, it points to the bravery of women to come out in this situation when they know that. You think back to the Chad Evans case, how much abuse that that woman took for for basically just alleging that this to, for basically saying yes. that this thing happened to her. For someone to be able to to come out in this situation is is also incredibly brave. What we've seen so far from social media's reaction has been actually quite positive compared to, to previous times and and hopefully it shows that kind of society is changing a little bit when it comes to this kind of thing because I've not seen any abuse for her uh, well very very tiny amounts compared to how much love and support there is out there for for her which is really quite heartwarming because like I say in the Ched Evans case and this potentially might happen in this case as well as as kind of things come out from certain PR teams and certain lawyers and and they're released to the press that there might become a schism in the public domain and, and the public opinion on this. And that is something that is, I guess, inevitable because of things that have happened, but it's no less demoralising, to be honest. I, I guess we should say that Mason Greenwood has not uh, publicly commented nor his team released anything at all yet as far as we know as of recording at uh, what 9 p.m on tuesday uk time he's still under arrest i think as we understand it nothing else has been released by uh great manchester police and i don't think he's been charged so we've not heard from him we heard from the club who said he won't be training or playing while this is ongoing i think it's fair to comment on united's approach here i, mm-hmm. I thought it was a little bit weak but i understand why it was weak so it was a kind of mealy mouth statement saying something along the lines of we don't condone violence well good for you you know i'm glad with you cleared that up guys and the suspension or in fact the not suspension the fact they won't be playing or training i don't think it stretches to he's not going to get paid while this is under investigation so it could have gone further it seems that although they haven't said it publicly, they've let it be known that they're worried about impacting the case in some way by taking a more severe action. I don't know about that, but Laura Williamson in The Athletic wrote a, a fairly scathing piece about United's response. And one thing which I thought was per- perfectly fair commentary, actually, maybe the club are, are worried about coming out too, you know, too hard in that it might be seen as some kind of admission of guilt. 
I, I don't know if that's true or not, really. It's certainly true that he is a paid employee of Manchester United when, when he's under suspicion. Not yet charged, though, so things could change. And then there's the wider context, of course, which, you know, again, talking about people haven't been convicted of anything. United signed Ronaldo on this pod you know, with former host Paul. We talked in depth about that. He's never been charged, but there was an accusation dating back 10 years or so, which has been covered in depth on this pod by De Spiegel. Loads of documents came out from his legal team in which there appeared to be an omission, later mm. redacted and changed. And he's never been charged by Las Vegas police. He did make a payment. But what that means is, is that an enabling in culture when United are willing to sign a player under those circumstances? Maybe, it certainly yeah. adds to it. And then, of course, we had uh, very different, but we had Ryan Geeks in the director's box at Old Trafford this season when he's under trial for abusing his former girlfriend yeah. and her sister, I think, which just kind of adds to the sort of feeling of potentially there being a misogynistic culture at United that enables this kind of thing to happen. Yeah, and, and like you say, it, it was almost fair comment in that respect, especially considering what's happened previously. And this case feels so different as well, because in so many cases, and, and the, like the two that you alluded to and so many more in football, like there's never been the audio and the visuals that we've seen, especially before we've even heard of the arrest. Basically meeting Mason Greenwood was posting photos of being at training on Saturday. And then on the Sunday morning this comes out and it, it like I say it, this is so different because it sets off such an emotional reaction inside of people we're trying to be very delicate here and be very level-headed but it's hard to be because when you hear that that audio it is it's so diff difficult to listen to and, and it makes you think if this is definitely this player who's if that is definitely Mason Greenwood as it as it it's supposed to be like the amount of things that well, you, I don't want to see Greenwood play for the club again if that is him. But like I say, it's, it's all ifs and buts at the moment because despite the accusations, it's obviously just it's just accusations. But it's it makes yeah. me think, and so many people think across social media and and all our fan base and everything. You've seen so many people come out and say we don't want him to play for our club again, and and you can see why people would exactly say that. Like I'm all for someone to to basically go through rehabilitation and I'm all for second chances and stuff but in this respect if it was to be true you can't ever put a footballer on you can't ever put someone on a pedestal that a footballer is on and to have the privilege that privileges that yeah. go with being a professional footballer the hero worship the fans being chanting your name and all that kind of thing it's the same thing with David Goodwillie that's just happened in in, in Scotland, there's a massive furore over that. And that's just that Wraith Rovers, all their fans are kicking off about it because he was convicted in a, in a civil lawsuit, not in, in, a, in a court of law. So I think it's a little bit different. I don't really understand the technicalities. L lower bar of, yeah, yeah lower bar, uh, pr preponderance of the evidence. Coming back to a point you made, I, I was kind of surprised by the reaction because Ronaldo was lionised mm -hmm. when he came to United. There were over 50 posts from United's social media account in the days afterwards. He was the centerpiece of Manchester United's marketing. And it was as if those accusations had never been made. Yeah. 
and they didn't matter. And the victim in that case didn't matter either. And I kind of expected a similar reaction. I don't think that has been the balance of the reaction. Obviously, this is just anecdotal from reading press and social media. I, I think people are properly disgusted and are taking an empathetic view. And like you said, if this is true and if this goes further down the road to trial, conviction, we don't know yet. Might not even get that far. Most people I've seen commenting on this would not want him back at the club. Yeah. And I think that's a fair reaction. Uh, and whatever we think about the value of the player as a player or as an asset or this young man's career, that they are all a distant second to the value of this young woman and the hell I presume that she's going through. Yeah, 100%. I even went searching for negative comments just to see, right, if there is any, how how many are there? Because I was scared that this woman, by opening herself, well, it sounds like she didn't even open herself up, but inadvertently opening herself up or someone else opening herself up on her behalf to this, like how much already backlash is there? And, and genuinely, there wasn't, there was barely any on, on the Instagram post, which I found, found so heartwarming in a terrible moment, to be honest. And it was almost... I'd say 98% entirely positive response back. And like you say, I was really surprised by that. And and because, like you say, when Ronaldo came back, he was lionised. And you see people now with Ronaldo AVIs posting Greenwood should never play for our football club again. And you, that makes you think. Well, this is going to be a really awkward transition away from that very difficult topic into transfers. And it's going to sound really glib, but hey, we're a football podcast and we cover many things. so transfer market there were some fun games around the world of transfers united i was trying to count up all the players united have uh, let go on loan uh, or one and one permanent transfer i think it's nine this window the headline ones being obviously donny van der beek has gone to everton on a six-month loan no option to buy just straight loan gone to join frank lampard's revolution Glorious circus revolution <laughs> over at Everton. I mean, it's it's an absolute banter club at the moment, mm. isn't it? The funny thing about Lampard is that I look at him and what he achieved at Chelsea and Derby. It was really very little. He took Derby from sixth to yep. sixth and, and Chelsea from second to third or whatever it yep. was. Uh, and yet he seems to be like linked with all these jobs and, you know, disgusting. You know, Everton's a big club. They have a big supporter base. It's 35 years since they won anything or whatever, but it's an old historic club that has always remained at the top of English yeah. football. And I can't help but make the comparison with Ollie, who's generally seen as a bit of a joke and probably would never work in England again because of that reputation. But it's not really fair, is it? Anyway, that's a side comment. Donnie's, Donnie's gone to join that revolution. Good move? Bad move? What do you think of this? It's an interesting one. It puts a lot of pressure on him. Um, it's also weird that they signed Deli Ali at the same time, who's, I'm not saying an identical player, but they're very, I guess, in their best. They're the types of players who will arrive late in a box, midfielders who maybe don't get in, that involved in the play when they're at their best, but are kind of, yeah, those those players in the final third, and they're very similar, I'd say. So I don't, 
Yeah. If, are they going to are they going to fit together or are they just taking two for the price of one? Is, is Donny van der Bay going there to sit see. on the bench? Like, is he just going to um, Surely no, not. Yeah. But like, I, I would be a little bit. The free Donny campaign finally won, and he's, yeah. Yeah, he's going off to. Comes I mean, back. who knows? He he may he, Lampard may go with a four three three and play both of them. Or play Deli Ali in a more forward position, so we'll we'll see. It's in, it's also interesting. Like he's not the type of player I would probably want in the relegation scrap. I think he's a very technically good right. player, but I think he, well, he's not really proved. Well, he hasn't at all proved that he's a Premier League player so far. Like no, and, and the thinking around the club is that he's not cut out. Yeah, for it he's at not all. got the physical attributes. He's not a particularly hard worker. He wasn't. I mean, he relatively hard worker but he's not the play- type of player who gets stuck in he's like I say he's kind of a final third link player and, and will arrive and score yep. and assist and like he he has a lot of ability but like he's not the sort kind of player that I would bank on if I was Everton really and Deli Alley's yeah. the same to be honest he seems to have made that choice mm. as well he had the option to go to Crystal Palace and turned turn them I down. think Palace would have been a better fit actually I think they play better football and they're more of a team I, I think so too and they've got more technical mm-hmm. players. Yeah. And they have a style and they have a manager who's actually progressing the team. And, and Exactly. This this is just... It's hard. It, it's a bit like United. It's like we sign a player, it's hard to imagine where they'll fit because we're, we're such a mess, basically. And it's and uh, well, Everton are an even bigger mess than us. Yes. It seems more stable at Palace. They've had a good transition. Patrick Vieira seems like a good coach. But, yeah. Didn't expect it either because he hadn't shown it previously, but he certainly helped sort of fuel the transition. They got some very good technical players, played nice football. It feels like he, it would have been a better fit for him. But his girlfriend's pregnant. He won't have to move house. There's Maybe there's some personal stuff going on there as well. Uh, I can't imagine he's got a particularly good relationship with Frank Lampard, unless there's some random thing I didn't see there. Marcel Brands. Maybe he had a relationship with the agent there, the former sporting director. Of course, Marcel Brands has gone. His whole recruitment team has gone. The the club's doctor and the medical team went. I mean, Rafa Benitez took over everything in his usual power play and then got sacked. Yeah, and then got rid of their best left back as well. Apparently, he was Marcel Brands. He was on the shortlist of Marcel Brands. And so was the left back they signed from Ukraine and the right back they signed from Scotland. So apparently they've signed three players that are on, the, on his shortlist but got rid of him as well. So they got sacked him anyway. Okay. Good luck, Donny. The best case scenario is he plays, he plays well and gets a move. Yeah, I mean, it could I happen. Think. I'm not, definitely not rolling it out, but it just seems like a, a bit of a, an odd fit and I wouldn't join Everton if I was him, but hey. No. Uh, Anthony Martial has gone severe, severe and much better shape, mm. challenging for La Liga this season. They've probably, because they didn't let um, the defender, whose name I'm completely forgetting now, go to Newcastle either. So they're probably thinking, well, we've got a shot at the title here. It's a Real Madrid. It's a decent Real Madrid side, but not not vintage. And and obviously uh, Barcelona are way out of it this season. So Sevilla have a good shot. They've got a good coach in Lopetegui. And Martial's going there, trying to resurrect his career. I think think that's a nice fit. I think... I think La Liga is really good for him because he's the sort of he's very technical. He loves to nip play together. I think even when he came on for United the other week, that he was really good at yeah. that interchanging and link up play, which was missing from has been missing from United for a while. And that is Martial at his best. I think in a league which is a little bit slower, a little bit less physical as well, that he could really shine. And then a title push as well, which is really exciting for him. Probably joined a better team, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I team mean... for the all. 
It's, uh, I mean, last time we played them, they, they gave us good spanking. Anyway, mm. you know, good luck to him. He's had seven seasons at United, probably two of them were good. And, you know, we know the problems yeah. with him. He's, he's not fit often enough. When he is fit, he doesn't really feel fit. He's been at odds with the medical department. He's been very flaky. He's been under four managers now. Van Hal, Mourinho, Solskjaer, Carrick, Rangnick. So that's five. And none have really mm. trusted him. So uh, it's time to move on. So good luck for him yeah. for that. A few of them, younger players we knew we were going out. Ted and Mengi went to Birmingham. That's already announced. Ethan Laird has switched from Swansea to Bournemouth. Talked about that on the pod already. So he switched mid-championship for top of the championship. He's had a great season by all accounts. Mate Kovar has gone to Burton, the goalkeeper. And Dylan Hugwerf, young player, has gone permanent signing to Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yeah, I didn't want to do a deal for Dennis Zakaria, I see. Oh my gosh, I was fuming about <laughs> He's that. He's gone to Juve right. for five million, so it would have been a bargain, but I guess it's just not on their list of players they want. But like you've said, uh, I think you've, re- you've said this a few times, Like it's so important that we sign a centre midfielder to try and get in the Champions League. And I know that he's not been as great as he was before his injury. Yeah. Uh, but he's still £5 million. Seems like gamble worth taking. Yes. And he's probably better than all of our centre mids. Like, maybe it might not work out for the long term or maybe not might not be as quite as good. But like you say, it's a gamble worth taking. It's £5 million. I know. And, and maybe he fancied Juve more than us. And But they're in a mess as well. So They are. I mean, the tax not. situation in Italy is is such that he maybe he's getting a better deal there. But it seems like United mm. weren't interested in doing that deal. And then the final one, no. Ahmed Diallo, has gone to Rangers. I, I don't know if you saw any of the clips. I mean, it's Ross County, so, you know, pinch of salt yeah. here. But he scored a tap-in, got into a good position, and there was some lovely skill. I think he's going to do really well there. Yeah, I actually watched the game right. because there was no Premier League on Saturday and, and that just happened to be on. And I thought... Ahmed's always been one of those who intrigues me because I can't really see all the talent that we paid for, really. £45 million is a lot of money, and I can see that he's a good player, but I can't see that he's £45 million worth of player or potentially that. Like, you're paying for a lot of potential, that huge potential. And you think to how much um, Real Madrid got for like for Vinicius Jr. Yes. How much did they pay for him? It wasn't as much as yeah, that. No, the, the pipeline from Brazil to Real Madrid seems strong. There's, there's more players that, yeah. that might be going there. Yeah, um, and we kind of signed a player who'd played a handful of times for Atalanta, and and it's difficult to see if he's going to be that good. So he's, he's obviously a player who's massively intrigued me, and and every time he's kind of stepped up to senior football, it's it's that. I think from my perspective, it's it looks like he isn't that good at reading what a senior, how a senior foot defender can defend he's been used to these players in the youth team and he can kind of just skip past them but when a, a bigger more robust guy is there and, and a more tactically astute defender is there the defender can kind of just move away and, and just take the ball off him and and it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts I know it's Scottish football and yeah not a great level at all but it will be I think it's a good step up I think if he went somewhere like the championship because of his frame and his size that he would struggle with the physicality of that and the pace of it whereas with somewhere like Rangers, you've got the big club expectations that they have with that being there, a little bit similar to United in a way. And obviously they're going to try and win the league. Yeah. So that's quite that's a big step for him. And also, yeah, having more time on the ball, playing senior football, it's gonna be, yeah, interesting to see how we how do how he develops over there. And 
judging by his first game, he looks really exciting. Uh, am I right in saying they're still in European football? I think it might be Conference League, but I think Conference League. Well, it's, it's fairly European football, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's sort of. <laughs> it might, I might be wrong with that. It might be Europa League, but I can't remember how they did in that. I don't, group. I don't remember exactly either. Celtic went into Conference League, but I can't remember. Right. England. So yeah, he, massive club. Obviously, won the title last year after ten years. And huge crowds at Ibrox. Great stadium to go to. It's a long time mm. since I've been to Ibrox, but I have. It was, yeah, great atmosphere there. I went to Celtic Park before. Anyone sends me hate mail. Enjoyed that too. <laughs> Both very good clubs. <laughs> Love you all. <laughs> Glasgow's a man- magnificent city. Uh, he's going to, he's, yeah, I hope I hope it's a good development path for him. He'll be playing senior football. He'll, yeah, it will be front foot a lot because except yeah. in those games against Celtic, Mostly Rangers will have all the ball and they'll be the dominant force. But it'll be a good test for him. And they play Celtic on Wednesday night. Yes, they and do. And he came off with a bit of a knock, but hopefully he'll be fit enough to play in that game. So it'll be interesting to see how he does in that. Yeah, it might be a good one to watch. Yep. So mm. that, that's all the, the the transfer dealing on the men's side. On the women's side of things, United did, did some interesting deals, I thought. So they signed Jade Moore on a short-term deal she was with Orlando Pride in Women's Soccer League over in these parts never actually played for them she had an injury went out to Atletico Madrid on loan so that's it's a short-term deal United Women's team are going great at the moment they've got a an outside shot at winning WSL but definitely a good shot at making next season's Champions League so she's a midfielder they signed Diane Caldwell who's an Irish defender. She has also played in Super League over here. She was with North Carolina Courage. She played in the Bundesliga for a long time with Cologne and SC Sand. So adding to United's defensive stock, which was definitely needed, I'd say. And then perhaps the most intriguing and exciting signing is the loan signing. So I think I'm right in saying it's an 18-month loan for Signe Brun, who's a young Danish forward. Again, United definitely needed an extra body uh, up front. She's with Lyon, multiple Champions League winning side. She hasn't really established herself with Lyon. She was with Paris Saint-Germain before that. But she's got a great record for Denmark, 14 goals in 19 games. So some exciting moves there. I don't know who's doing the deals for United women, but they seem to be more competent than on the mid side of things. Yeah, I think... Do they want a job? Yeah. And maybe they can take over Look, both portfolios. I, I know um, Casey Stoney was heavily involved using her network and, and Mark Skinner has mm. obviously gone back with Jade Moore for a player he's already worked with because he worked here in the North American League for a couple of years or Orlando. So, you know, that that might explain some of that. But Signa Brun signing's really exciting. Yeah, I think it's it's good to see the progress as well this season with United. And to see like City drop off a little bit, yes, the door, in, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because like last season they were like quite significantly better than United. I mean, we, we kind of stuck around for a little bit and then just trailed off towards the end. But I felt like they were three much better sides. But this season the gap has seemed to have closed, which is really quite interesting and, and exciting. Because I thought with Stoney leaving that yeah. that might be. A, bit of a and the way she did as yeah, well yeah i thought oh my god is this one of those situations where it's going to just kind of go to pot after some really really good 
first few years. Well, it did seem like it because they'd, they'd structured the women's team being under one of the other executives and so not reporting into Ed Woodward. It kind of signaled a lower priority. They weren't. They didn't have their own training ground. They were being bussed in. They didn't even have toilets. Casey obviously went, it seems, in an act of protest. Mm-hmm. Albeit she's got a good job over here in the States. But it didn't signal. And Mark Skinner, not particularly experienced either, never had a big, really big job before. So it, it, there were some negative signals there. Yeah, The team's done all right this season, though. Done pretty well, I think. And even if United don't win the title, which seems an outside shot, honestly, with Arsenal and Chelsea, likely to pick up. One of them is likely going to pick up enough points with the rest of the season. It's going to solidify United's position in that sort of best of the rest or in the, that top four teams. So, yeah, progress. I, I suppose that one one last thing on the men's side of things. So so the competition is basically with what? Arsenal, Spurs and West Ham for that fourth place. I think it'd be fair to mm. say. Maybe Wolves. And there's been some interesting stuff. So Arsenal, uh, Bamiang has gone to Barcelona in a really weird deal where they appear to have like ripped up his contract. But he wasn't going to play anyway, so it's not made any difference. They Did they make any other signings, Arsenal? They didn't sign another forward, did they? I don't think so. So they haven't strengthened. Spurs did. So Lo Celso has gone and um, uh, and Dombele gone back to Lyon. Lo Celso to, to Villarreal. Villarreal, that's it, yeah. But they brought in Kulusevski, who's a really exciting young player, Swedish forward, mm. wide forward, likes to carry the ball has some of the best dribbling stats in Serie A, although you wouldn't necessarily call him a winger, would you? But yeah, he's definitely going to add to their sort of attacking options. You might even put them in, you might even say they're marginal favourites for that fourth spot. Maybe. Yeah, Bernadeschi as well, who I yes. think is a really good player. Yes. Um, and I guess with, with Conte as well, like the, both both of these players coming from Serie A, they signed another lad from... Juve as well, did they? Or am I making that up? I'm forgetting. I thought they, they they did. But anyway, they having yeah, having signed these these players from Serie A and Conte obviously knows them really well, like and getting rid of someone like Ndombele, who is a fantastically talented footballer, but has well, he's super inconsistent and keeps falling out with every manager that Tottenham have. For him to, for Conte to bring in his own players, as it were. It does make them even more of a scary outfit because they, in my opinion, are the favourites for, for fourth because since he's come in, they have got so much better. I mean, they couldn't yeah. get any worse, but no. they have got a lot better and, and, and a lot stronger. And, and they, well, Conte is a great manager, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, Brian Gill left as well, a young sort yeah. of creative player. Yeah. So, look, Conte knows what he wants and if players aren't uh, going to play under him, they're best to go. So, yeah. He's obviously got them organised, not not quite as rapidly as he, he got Chelsea organised a few years back. But a real threat. I think they probably are marginal favourites here with United. I mean, ostensibly, United are weaker on the 31st of January than they were on the 1st of January, really. With all those, yeah, so all those players are gone. They may not have, I don't know, Ahmad, Donny van der Beek probably wouldn't have played much. Two players who didn't go, Dean Henderson, Phil Jones probably should have gone in... Phil Jones's case, mm. I mean, he's going to be fifth choice. So I don't know why. T- I, I think he said he turned down Bordeaux because he wasn't guaranteed first team football or something. But 
surely you'll He's just not back going. yourself. Yeah, I know. He needs to rebuild his career. Dean Henderson, I'm sure, wanted to leave, though. Some talk about mm. him perhaps moving to Newcastle. Yeah. And Jesse Lingard didn't leave, and he'll leave on a free in the summer. But with this Greenwood situation, Lingard had to stay, yeah. I think. like, And, and yeah, I feel exactly. sorry for him because there's a lot of talk about him falling out with United for them not letting him go. And it must be really difficult for him because he was obviously promised first-team football in, in, in the summer and then he didn't obviously get it. But now we can't let him go, really. I know he's barely featured this season. But... No, no. I think from the club's point of yeah. view, you can understand it. I mean, apparently you spoke to Ragnick uh, Rangnick said, yes, you can go, but the club have blocked it, um, given everything else that's been happening. And you can kind of understand yeah. why the warm bodies will be needed. And we'll, we'll see. Maybe he'll play some games. He's definitely not going to be a starter for United. I, I, I imagine, I hope he's professional enough to put his disappointment behind him. Uh, Henderson's a curious one because I guess they, they just don't want to take the risk. If De Gea loses mm. form or loses focus, which has happened in the past, or gets injured, it'd only be Tom Heaton. Yeah, and I think I think so, maybe I I would probably say it probably is the the truth that De Gea's form has improved because he was dropped last season for Henderson, and yeah. and for all the world, I don't particularly rate Henderson that highly, but it did look at one point that Henderson was the future number one, and De Gea was out the door, and if that is the reason, it looks like it is the reason from the outside that that's turned in, a, in an upturn of De Gea's form, like getting rid of that Henderson and potentially bringing that complacency back with De Gea is maybe something that Randick's maybe a little bit wary of as well. Like it could so easily happen. Yeah, to be addressed in the mm. summer, I think. Well, most of the big clubs these days have two great goalkeepers and it's it's something yeah. that we need to have at United as well. If like Even someone like West Ham have... Have Ariola, who I think is a really, really top keeper, as their second choice, and and you see right. that more and more in the Premier League these days. I know it's not easy for someone like Henderson who needs to prove himself to, and he and he wants to be a first team. But I think from a United perspective, we need to have two strong goalkeepers. Well, that's it. Transfers, I guess. Uh, before we close out international football, I mean, there was some. I I haven't had the opportunity, timing and all that, to watch much of the uh, Afcon. I'd meant to watch more, but it's just been difficult. Did you see Eric Bailly's glorious, glorious oh, moment? Absolutely beautiful. So there is no nobody who would I I would expect this less of, uh, more of, sorry, than, than Eric Bailly. Like just walking up to a penalty so casually, looking the other way, and then dinking it over the bar in a quarterfinal. Maybe it was the last sixteen of a major competition. That is just yeah, Egypt, yeah. perfection. Eric Bailly, perfection. absolutely amazing the thing is it's an amazing moment but is there any surprise at all that everybody everybody doing eric Bay things (laughs) is there anybody on planet earth that i would bet on less than every everybody taking a no look one step i can see balotelli doing it but balotelli would probably pull it off balotelli Uh, i can't see yeah ever pulling it eric bailly he's the last (laughs) person on earth is what i was trying to say that I would bet on to make yeah. that. Just bizarre. But there you go. Hannibal made a couple of what well, started one game, played about a half, and came on the other yeah. got about 20 minutes for Tunisia. He's got quite a few caps now because they are yeah. a cup as well. Yeah, I think it's a great experience year. for him to, to be in and around that competition and playing senior football as well. Like I said about Ahmad, 
it's it's a difficult step up from youth youth to senior football. So if Hannibal can play as much as as, as that as possible in a especially playing in the African Cup of Nations, which is really quick, really physical game. It might not be the best technical football we've ever seen, but playing in in that kind of environment and being with that kind of squad, some really good players in that Tunisia team. So it's no no harm that he's not playing every game in there. And it's quite just quite impressive that he, he did well enough in the Arab Cup to, to play in, in, and get in the squad in the African Cup of Nations. So yeah, I, I'm thinking really, really good experience for him. And he's... I think you guys spoke about it on the last pod. Is yeah, so exciting. I think Cannibal. I think he's probably potentially our most exciting player in that youth team. And actually, I think yeah, our youth and, team and look, got some really exciting players in it, despite how inconsistent they are as a team. Yes, yes, they're sort of midway. I think I'm right in saying under twenty threes are about midway down mm. the Premier League two. I think it's called these days, yeah. isn't it? Table. So he look. He might. There might be a spot open now. Donny's gone. He's he's played at both ten and eight for the the twenty threes, so there, there's probably a spot available. I know Paul Pogba's coming back; he's fit. We may see him against Middlesbrough, or at least partially. But there's an opportunity for Hannibal to maybe play, get some minutes, or at least be exposed to the first team. I'm sure he'll be training with the first team squad now. And as we've seen with Anthony Alanga, right, Nick's open yeah, to this. Exactly. Anyway, that's Hannibal, uh, Fred played for Brazil against Ecuador in a one-all draw in the Comunabol qualifiers. Good old it's good Fred. He's been trusted for, for Brazil, and... like playing us alongside Casemiro. I know they didn't actually win that game, which is probably not a great thing for Brazil, but like to for him to be trusted as the second best centre mid for Brazil is, is maybe shows that he how highly rated he is, at least by them. And, and he has been very good for yeah. us actually quite recently. I mean, Sometimes, sometimes not, but that's kind of Fred all over, isn't it? It is Fred all over, but he's got this kind of interesting, I mean, who knows what the system is mm. from week to week under Regnick because it's changed all the time. But the last game United played was basically a 4-3-3 with Fernandes yeah. a little bit deeper uh, and Fred a little bit further and that, forward. That was like Shakhtar Fred as well. Like Fred, yeah. when he played at Shakhtar, wasn't sitting in front of the defence as a shield alongside another defensive midfielder. He was a player who who was a box-to-box and a lot of his best moments as maybe we haven't seen at United because it's when he gets in the final third, he, uh, he seems to panic and, and shoot terribly, a bit like Anderson used to. But at Shakhtar, a lot of his best moments did come from breaking forward and creating moments in the final third. And he has yeah. a lot of strings to his bow. Like He might not be amazing at much, to be honest, but he, he is kind of a seven or a six out of ten. Except pressing. He's world class <laughs> yeah, at pressing, yeah. which which we know <laughs> Rangnick likes. Uh, Edinson Cavani came on with about 20 minutes to go uh, in Uruguay's 1-0 win over Big Paraguay. Mm. Important victory for them. And Alex Taylor was on the bench for that Brazil game, didn't get on. I don't know whether there's any more. Uh, did they have any more games before? Was this just a one-game round or well. were there two? They've got another yeah. game tonight, yeah, then they'll all head yeah. back, yeah. Over in these parts, the big story was Canada beating uh, USA, USA, yeah, USA. I saw that, yeah. Canada, English coach, and they're doing yeah, really well. Yeah, got some good players these days as well, like Jonathan David, Kyle Larin, I think, scored the first, didn't he? He's decent. Yeah. And Alfonso Davis didn't even play. Yeah, mm. there you go. I have not got into MLS or anything like that, and it's never going to happen. <laughs> Such a good standard of football, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, Sorry, mate. That's it. Anything else this week that we didn't talk about? Oh, Ed Woodward. 
I, I know I mentioned it at the top of the show, but you know, <laughs> bye, Ed. We we no, we have no love for you. Uh, Ed. The guy who was number two alongside him, making all the terrible decisions over the years, is now in charge. Do we expect any better decisions oh, to be man, made? No, absolutely not. Sorry. Without vote of confidence, well, we'll see you at the weekend after uh, United uh, beat Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. N- like doing, they just they just signed uh, Balogun from Arsenal, young forward. So maybe he may play in the FA Cup. I think he's eligible. Uh, and and Chris Wilder is uh, doing decent things for them. They're they're doing pretty well. In yeah, they've been really right? impressive under him. Which is, I mean, uh, just then I felt like I was about to say it'll be a really tough game, and I'm a bit worried about it, but. Is that what United's basically done to me? That I feel a little bit scared of a team who's in the playoffs in the championship. I've, I think that, I think they have done that to me. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think they have. Well, it's a more slimline squad that will be taking on this game, but I imagine it'll be a fairly full-strength team because um, many of them have had some time off. A few of them were over in Dubai training. You'll have seen all the social media posts. It's sort of it's sort of, Partly training, but mostly it's uh, hitting the clubs and taking pictures with the uh, dodgy rappers, as Jesse Lingard and and uh, Marcus Rashford found out. Be careful who you're drawn into a photo op <laughs> with. Yeah, so I, I'm going to take the generous view on that one and say they just mm. didn't know. <clears throat> you can all go find the story about exactly what problems why he's got. <laughs> I think he the doubt if they didn't know about that. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, basically, they both said they didn't know. So, you know. Huh. Mm, okay. Mm, yes, I know. It's just what we need. I know. Yeah. It's, yeah, I know. Thanks, everyone. Difficult show in some respects. But uh, we thought we wanted to address some of the issues. And we'll see you next week.